Stream ESPN 1000 easily on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. You're listening to Under the Hood on ESPN 1000. What's up and welcome in Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 here on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is a phone number. We're going to hear from Jeff Dickerson who covers... The Bears and the NFL for ESPN. We'll hear from my buddy coming up at 820. Tales from the Hood with a little twist at 835. We'll tell you about that later on this hour right here on ESPN 1000. I hope that you're, you are safe and your family is safe and you're having a good time here on this um, Monday night as um, we provide you a warm sports nest, keeping you company here until 10 o'clock. Two of the greatest athletes that I've ever seen in my lifetime is Michael Jordan and Tom Brady. Walter Payton is in that conversation as well on the football side, but I'm just going to narrow it down to those two because there's a parallel I want to make with you regarding these two. So we'll start with Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan comes to the Bulls, and Jerry Krause tells the press in the early 80s, oh, I'm going to build my team around a two-guard. <coughs> I'm going to build my team around a two-guard. Right? And the press laughed at him. Like, there's no way. There's, I mean, because we're talking about centers. Centers in the 70s, in the early 80s, it was about the big man. It's, as big as you can get is about the center. And so to be able to build around two guard was just nonsense. And Jordan, of course, you know the story, six titles in eight years, and one of the best, if not the best, that we've ever seen. He's the greatest I've ever seen, but others can debate that with other players in your local barbershop or your social media. You can debate on who was the best. Michael was the best in my generation and to me of all time. But there was a time where Michael Jordan had this issue with management. And it always was a sticking point. Columns I used to read how Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson and Scottie Pippen and some of the all-time greats on that Bulls team had a problem with Jerry Krause, had a problem with Michael Reinsdorf or Jerry Reinsdorf at the time. And there was always this problem of, number one, respect and money. Always a problem. You see other athletes getting paid all kind of money. I remember as a kid watching, uh, reading Sports Illustrated and seeing John Conkak with his arms extended and looking up in the sky because he got all this money that was falling from the ceiling in this picture because John Conkak was just some dopey center that was with the Atlanta Hawks for a long time and got paid a ton. It's like, why? Why can't Jordan and Pippen and these other guys get paid the money that they deserve? They're bringing the championships, bringing the merchandise, all this stuff. But there was always a sticking point. And you read any Bulls book, any good Bulls book written by Sam Smith and others, they'll tell you the story of how there was a disconnect between management and Michael Jordan. And to the point where Jordan, after the sixth championship, left and went to the Washington Wizards. It was so weird to see Jordan as a wizard, to see him in a different uniform. Like, why is the greatest of all time? Why does he have to keep playing? Why is he playing with the Wizards? At the time that Jordan got to the Wizards, the Wizards were 19 and 63. And then the year after when Jordan was there, they went 37 and 45. Now, Jordan toward the end was still, without even looking, Sean, I'm going to tell, tell me if I'm right. Without looking, I believe his last year, his final year, Jordan averaged 19 points a game. I think the year he got there is like 20, 21 points a game. That's what I remember. And so 
he was still playing at a decent level, but it wasn't the same airness with Michael. So now we fast forward to 2020 with Tom Brady. All the conversations as a kid that I remember is about who's better, who's best. Is it Montana or is it Elway? Is it Fouts or is it, you know, Steve Young? Is it this player, that player? Back and forth. Because there was a renaissance of quality quarterbacks during that time in the 80s, in the early 90s, where it's like, but there's so many great quarterbacks out there. Not just good, great quarterbacks. I know we throw around the word great too much in sports, but as you could take go the numbers, those quarterbacks were great. The Plunkets, the... Um, you take a look at those great quarterbacks during that time. Warren Moon, you throw in there as well. Um, Phil Sims, Theismann. It goes on and on. It was terrific quarterbacks. But that barroom conversation about who's better, who's best, was completely destroyed by Tom Brady because of his six championships. It's the chicken and egg theories. We talk about this with Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. It's the chicken and egg theory of who do you give credit to? Is it Bill Belichick or Tom Brady? Well, it's both. And I know that's not hot takey enough for 2020, but it is both. Because Tom Brady is great in his own right. And Tom Brady, the reason why he's great It's not just because of the rings. That's a lazy conversation. He's got six rings. He's the best without a T. No. The reason why Tom Brady is great is because he was able to win more with less than any quarterback I've ever seen. Some local accountant, some sales manager, some janitor can just suit up and Brady would make them great and they'd make him great. Because whatever reason, Bill Belichick likes to be able to shop in the middle of the aisle, the, in the, the swaparama. He'd rather, instead of get something great, he'd rather go to the bargain basement to find something to show how brilliant he is. Name for me the five or six all-pro wide receivers that Tom Brady worked with in his 20 years with the Patriots. You can't give me five or six because it wasn't there. It was always guys that you didn't expect to even be in a Patriots uniform, but yet Belichick saw something and Brady was like, oh, this guy, Edelman, this guy, this this player, okay, all right, well, I have to make this work. Amendola, okay, or I guess so. And so that's what it was came down to. It's like these guys were not all pros. Some of these guys were not great going in, but Brady made them great and vice versa. And so here we are in 2020. And all we kept hearing for the last five-plus years, even longer than that, is that there is a disconnect and a disrespect between Bill Belichick, the greatest coach I've ever seen in the NFL, and the greatest quarterback in Tom Brady. This is so – I can make so many tentacles for the next hour of the Patriots, Cubs, Blackhawks, Celtics. I can do this all night of when a team is doing well – there's only one thing that destroys that team from winning championships, and that's the word ego. Three letters, one word, ego. It happens all the time. Instead of just working with someone and saying, you know what, we disagree on this, but you know what, we are better together than apart. Let's work on this so we can continue our championship direction. No, no. Belichick wanted Brady out five or six years ago. You could trace the steps to Garoppolo and Brissett. 
and that Garoppolo had to be traded. It didn't have to be, but he was traded to San Francisco. It's like, ah, that was the heir apparent. I think that Belichick realized that was the heir apparent, but no, Robert Kraft wanted Brady to stay. Brissett could have been in this spot right now. Nope, got to get rid of Brissett too. So it was Tom Brady and Belichick staring each other down, and they, they win together. And now Bill has his way because now instead of keeping Brady for a couple more years, he says, you know what, we don't need the asset anymore. And that's what he considers him an asset. Tom Brady's no different than the, than the backup left guard on that football team in Brady's and Belichick's eyes. Just another guy. Just another guy. Even though he knows he's great, he treats him like Greg Popovich cre- treats his San Antonio Spurs. You've heard the stories about the Spurs, right? You've heard the stories of how Tim Duncan was treated just like the 12th man on the team, how Tony Parker was not treated special or those other players. They were all yelled at and they were all praised the same. Same thing with Bill Belichick. Hard-ass, tough dad, doesn't want to say I love you. He's not that guy. That's who he is. So here's what it came down to. And there's two schools of thought. One school of thought is, is that you look at Tom Brady and say, man, he's 42, 43. There's no way that he can still be with the Patriots to still be quality because there's got to be erosion, right? Well, guess what? I agree with that. Even though he's great and there was somewhat of an, some erosion with Brady, I understand why the Patriots would pass on him because we haven't seen an athlete that's 45, 44, getting it done at a high level. At some point, there was erosion. Same thing with, the, with uh, Peyton Manning. Injuries had a lot to do with that, of course. But the Colts weren't just going to hold on to him. Like, all right, go. Go to Denver, go wherever you got to go, but we got to move on to Andrew Luck. And the same thing here with Tom Brady. They moved on. But it's, it's too bad that they couldn't get along at the end. It was ego. I'll tell you this. Brady talks about how he was not treated well. He talks about how, you know, there was, wasn't that love and that respect. It came down to money, though. You know who paid Brady more than anybody? It was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They want to have butts and seats. I'm making the Jordan and Brady parallel because the Wizards for years were terrible. Jordan comes in, at least there's butts and seats in Chocolate City. People are interested. In Tampa, the Raymond James Stadium, now there's all kind of tickets. Now people are going want to see the attraction that is Tom Brady. Brady chose the worst team in the NFL. To prove a point, the worst team. Jordan shows a terrible franchise in Washington. To prove a point, same thing. Of all the teams, he could went to the Chargers, he could have went to the Colts. No, he went to Tampa. You know how bad Tampa is? <laughs> you know how bad Tampa is? A team that has struggled to try to find their footing on a regular basis. Yeah, they've been to the Super Bowl. Sure, absolutely. Point is, though, is that he went to the bottom because he wanted to get paid. And he wanted to get away from the shackles and the environment in Foxborough. That was his choice. And that's great. But let me be the first to tell you if no one is going to tell you. This is the end of an era for both Belichick and Brady. Because as much as Brady looks good now, Brady's not winning a championship 
or even the division championship in Tampa, just like Jordan was going to do that with the Wizards because father time catches up to you. Oh, Brady looks good, but he gets into that. It's a funhouse mirror effect. In Foxborough, he looked good. He looked 21. He gets to Tampa, and he looks his age. He feels his age. All of a sudden, aches and pains happen. He won't be the same guy. End of an era for Tom Brady coming. End of an era for Bill Belichick on the same side. Belichick again to the bottom of the barrel. That you ever have that person that won't go to a good store? They'll just go to the second and third hand store to try to find that bargain. That's what he's going. He's going to rummage through to try to find Brian Hoyer. He'll just try to find some some young quarterback like Stidham to try to mold and shape. But he's not going to go for the obvious. Like a Teddy Bridgewater, or as I mentioned, Cam Newton or Jameis Winston. Or at least not, that's not who he is. So this is the end for Bill, too. And it's the end for Brady. There could have been maybe one more run at it. Maybe one more run if they were together. But remember the sticking point. Remember the glue that holds all this together. And that is the word ego. It holds it all together, the ego. It's too bad. Because the run for Brady, and I'm not a Patriots fan, but I appreciate greatness. I know what it looks like when I see it. Many teams admire what the Patriots have done. People hate them on the low because they wish their team had a run like the Patriots have had. They can go through every scandal, deflate gates, and this scandal and that scandal, and still go unscathed and still be on a winning trajectory. And that's done now. All of that is done because of ego. Now, some teams would have done everything they could to bend over backwards to keep Tom Brady because they had to have no other game plan. But Belichick wanted him out years ago because he saw the age. He thought, we can do something else here. But Brady wanted to be respected. That's what he wanted. He wanted respect. And he never got that respect. He couldn't get a game ball. You know the story? Brady couldn't get a game ball from the Patriots. <laughs> Like, they win this big game, and, and Bill's like, Congratulations to this right guard. You were great. You protected Tom's right side. <laughs> it's like just random dudes. Congratulations, random kicker. You get the game ball. What about 12? Nah. Tough dad. Didn't want to give him the love. I'll give him the love. He's the greatest I've ever seen. <laughs> but this is what happens when you have ego. I've talked about this a lot with the, the Cubs already, with Madden. I've talked about this with the Blackhawks after the three Stanley Cup championships with Joel Quinville. Ego. Why, is it, why can't you stay together? Oh, ego. Who gets the most credit? Who cares if everyone's winning? And that's the thing. So because of ego, you have the end of the era for both. Who's going to win more, Belichick or Brady? Put that in the poll at ESPN 1000. Who will win more at the end, starting now, Belichick or Brady? I will tell you it's Belichick because he'll be in that job until he just drops. He'll have a few more wins, sure, but there's no more championships coming. Brady has two more years. Who knows if that second year is a backup? Who knows? Nobody really knows. But I, I find that story really interesting. Uh, some thoughts from Jenna Lane, who covers the Buccaneers, um, so 
a number of things that she talked about uh, with me yesterday when I was on ESPN Radio nationally. I asked, were she, was she surprised by the Tom Brady news initially? Well, it kind of did, actually, in the middle of one of my live hits, because, you know, a lot of times for information gathering purposes, you're standing outside in the sun and you have uh, your easel where you can put some of your different, your face powder. I always put my phone on that. At any event, I get any sort of updates on things. I can just quickly retrieve it and look at it. And it got overheated. And I know that it's springtime, but we were looking at 89, 90 degrees outside the other day. And we were outside, um, camera crew parked outside of uh, the Bucks team facility from 630 in the morning until 630 at night. Started doing live hits at 830. So, yeah, I mean, my phone kind of did do that. But, uh, yeah, I was actually just telling some of my friends, Courtney included, that, I think it's time that I really do look into getting a separate phone because this has just been absolutely nuts. Oh, it's going to be nuts for sure. Tom Brady's in Tampa. What do you have to lose? They've they've been awful. They've been awful for a long time. He puts butts in seats. It's, it's he's an attraction now because he's over forty, but they're not winning anything there of significance. The same thing with the Patriots. Let's, let's switch over and talk about the Bears with Jeff Dickerson. We'll get his thoughts about the Bears situation, what they have done, what they still need to do. Next. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Hi, everybody. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. How you doing? Follow us on the gram at IGJHood and at ESPN underscore Chicago. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Glad that you're with me here as we talk Bears football with my good friend Jeff Dickerson, who covers the Bears for NFL Nation on ESPN.com. So I was on yesterday, but it was not heard here on ESPN 1000, but I was on the air. My paycheck says so. I was on with Courtney Cronin, covers the Vikings, and Chris Carlin, who is a talk show host for ESPN New York. We did a show together. It was a three-person booth, and we had J.D. on, and we talked to J.D. about a number of things regarding the Bears. Um, So Trubisky can't feel good about Nick Foles being in the mix with the Bears, can he? I mean, yeah, this year, you know, it's the final year of his original rookie deal. So the contract is only about $4.4 million as far as the base salary. The cap hit is around 9 plus, which is still pretty manageable, uh, even if Trubisky is the backup quarterback, which it certainly seems like, guys, he's, he's going to be at some point here. Um, $21 million uh, is fully guaranteed in that Nick Foles deal. Um, that's a lot of money compared to what they're paying Mitchell Trubisky, and we know that Nick Foles has those deep connections with Matt Nagy, who coached them both in Kansas City and Philadelphia with the Bears' new offensive coordinator, Bill Lazor, their quarterback's coach, John Filippo. So there's a lot of reasons why Nick Foles is here. And given that there's not going to be likely any sort of offseason program and we don't know when training camp is going to start, the Bears guys might only have a couple of weeks to make their decision on a quarterback. I could see the scenario just knowing how the Bears operate, that there's this illusion of a competition when training camp opens and Trubisky as the incumbent is the number one guy for the time being. But at some point, I think all signs point to Nick Foles being the quarterback based on the money they're paying him this year. 
which is going to be awesome for Sports Talk Radio in Chicago because you won't have people calling in after games talking about Trebinsky. I will miss hearing Chicago accents try to uh, waddle their way through that, uh, but, you know... For By and large, it's a service for the people. Now, J.D., when you take a look at what this does for the alliance of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they've been in lockstep the entire time that both of them have been in Chicago in this regime. How could this possibly test them, though? Because certainly this is a move that you make if you're trying to save your job. Is there any way that you see this going where both sides could split and this could potentially splinter what those two are doing from their respective jobs? Here's how Courtney, it'll test them. And by the way, I'll miss the what's wrong with Trebinsky phone calls that we always <laughs> get. And those emails are wonderful. What's with this Trebinsky guy? Um, clearly, uh, Ryan Pace acknowledged that he needed Matt Nagy to have a big voice in the new quarterback coming in here. If you look at the previous two quarterbacks that Pace is responsible for, Mike Glennon, oh boy, and Trubisky, uh, Matt Nagy was not in Chicago for either of those two decisions. But Nick Foles is a Matt Nagy guy, so I can tell you that the head coach of the Bears and the new coaching staff had a voice in all of this. This was the first step, Courtney, really here, is getting Foles. Now, the true test of their relationship will be when the time comes when Matt Nagy says, okay, Ryan, I got to go to Nick. I can't play Mitch. Nick gives us the best chance to win. Here we go. And now as a general manager who really put a lot on the line by moving up and drafting Trubisky second overall, not taking Patrick Mahomes, not taking Deshaun Watson, that's going to be difficult for Ryan Pace to accept. We haven't gotten to that point yet because the Bears don't have to play a game next week. But when they have to start playing games and play the best quarterback on the roster, and when every single person in the building knows probably that person will be Nick Foles, that's when that relationship, I think, will be put to the test ultimately. J.D., i got a question about this Trubinsky. i got a question. Do you mind answering for me? I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. No way and appreciate it. Um, I want to get your, your thoughts about... If, is there a game or a scenario that told you that Trubisky was trending in the wrong direction? Do you recall? Oh, I mean, the first game against the Packers last year. That was a nightmare. And I'll tell you guys why. You know, the Bears were coming off this 12-win playoff season in 2018, and Trubisky played okay. Remember, I'm saying okay. He had a six-touchdown game against Tampa Bay, who had the worst secondary in the NFL that year by far. That was a confidence-builder type game. When the Bears ran into good defenses, Trubisky struggled. But they still won because they had this historically amazing defense. If you think of all, if you watch the Bears that year, they had field position like you wouldn't believe because the defense gave them all this plus field position. They scored all these touchdowns defensively. The numbers offensively weren't great, but they were good enough. The hope last year was that Trubisky in year three would make these great strides. And then the Packers game. The opening of the NFL season, the centennial, and I mean, he bombed. He bombed, and that's when Matt Nagy said, uh-oh, this isn't going to work. i got to change things. And then he goes so conservative the next week against Denver that he almost loses to a terrible Broncos team. And early in the season last year, the Broncos were bad. They got better as the year went on. They almost lost that game on the road, had to kick a game-winning field goal to win. 
So right away you knew last year that the offense that Matt Nagy was trying to run, this quarterback was not going to run it. And right there was the root of the issue, and it never really got better throughout the entire season. ESPN Bears reporter Jeff Dickerson joining us right now. They went out and added Jimmy Graham this week. Is that just hope? Is that hope at this point that he can help you offensively, that you have another weapon there for Foles or Trubisky to work with at this point? Because from the outside looking in, it appears as if the Bears just don't have enough weapons. Chris, I don't know what that move is. I'll be honest, my friend. I'm not sure what Jimmy Graham is going to bring this team. I mean, $9 million guaranteed. There's the no-trade clause that Field Yates reported on this morning. I've seen the contract. It's almost entirely front-loaded as far as the guarantees go, but um, they're going to pay him next year to be a major contributor on offense. That I can guarantee you. And if you watch Jimmy Graham last year with the Packers, for me, didn't seem like he ran very well didn't catch all that well. It was almost as if the league had begun to retire Jimmy Graham on its own. And then the Bears swoop in, and they give him this deal, and they already have Trey Burton, who's been a major disappointment, the Philly special, who signed a a big deal three years ago, still has guaranteed money left on that contract. He's injured again, coming off another offseason surgery. Their former second-round pick in 2017, the same draft, They took Trubisky as Adam Shaheen. He's almost a complete bust. They have two very curious uh, tight end contracts on the books. They're going to have to draft a tight end. It's not a good class of tight ends. I think Cole Komet from Notre Dame is probably the consensus top tight end in this group. The Bears don't have a first-round pick. They've got two second-rounders. They might use one of those picks on a tight end. So it's a tough contract to justify. I can't tell you exactly what Ryan Pace is thinking. They haven't made him available yet because of everything that's going on. But I can tell you guys uh, that was not a move that was well-received in Chicago at all. So certainly he's on the hot seat of sorts, as we've talked about. But with Matt Nagy, I know that you can kind of look at this move and say at the end of the day, Mitchell Trubisky ended up being the scapegoat for uh, people trying to keep their jobs. But how much pressure do you think is on Nagy from a play-calling perspective to try to get this offense back to the version of itself from 2018? Now, the knock that Nick Foles gets a lot of the time uh, is lightning in a bottle. But for a defense that's still this good and has a lot of key players back uh, and ready to go for 2020, it doesn't feel like you need more than lightning in a bottle. Can Matt Nagy bring that out of Nick Foles, and how does he get there? Yeah, and they weren't even that good in 2018 either, Courtney. And I think that's really the crux of the issue is, you know, the offense hasn't been uh, what it needs to be. Now, I think that a common theme that – common thread here is that the quarterback has been primarily, except for the games he's missed due to injury, Mitchell Trubisky. So changing that out probably uh, in their minds is going to help. But, but I thought Matt Nagy, guys, was very honest when we spoke to him at the Combine. He's got to change the offense. He can't run what he ran, um, you know, the Andy Reid system, the true Andy Reid, Kansas City system in Chicago. Uh, it's going to have to be more of a West Coast style. They're going to change it up. They've got to run the ball more. They drafted David Montgomery in the third round at Iowa State last year. They never committed to him. He had okay numbers. But, again, if you watch the Bears, there was never a rhythm established on the ground. The run plays were not very creative. Tariq Cohn, I mean, touched the ball a, a crazy number of times and had like 400 yards of offense. I mean, he was the king of just running out of bounds. I, you've never seen anything like it. 
because they, they, there was nothing that was working. The offensive line didn't block well. So I think Nagy certainly identifies this. That's why there were so many changes made to that coaching staff. He got guys in here that he has more of a relationship with. And I think the one thing that people forget is, like, when Matt Nagy leaves Kansas City, Andy Reid says, I love you, Matt. I wish you well. Oh, by the way, you're taking nobody from the coaching staff with you. Like, that happened. And Nagy's like, okay. And so he hired these guys based on recommendations that, most, for the most part, he had not worked with before. Well, that didn't work out as well as he had hoped, so now he has a chance to recycle some people, bring in some old allies, and the hope is that collectively they'll figure this out, help out the quarterback, but again, running the football has got to be something they do better in 2020, and I think everyone in that building acknowledges that. Jeff, with the move for Nick Foles, how close are the Bears to Green Bay or Minnesota in the north? Uh, I, I, I don't think they're – I think because of their defense, you can't say that they're light years behind them. But I would say right now, based on what the Bears have done and who they seem that they're going to be, right now they seem like a third-place team in the NFC North. Am I wrong? I, I mean, I could see them, you know, being 7-9, and 8-8, eight and eight, maybe a couple of breaks go their way 9-7. and seven, But I don't see enough – enough has not been done on offense – to convince anybody that the offense is going to be dramatically better, and I think it has to be dramatically better for the Bears to be a playoff team. Jeff, I'm not going to lie. This hasn't been a real big pick-me-up as far as the Bears Well, you know, Chris, unfortunately, the Bears, uh, they're not really the, um, the, uh, the magic elixir when it comes to these dark times right now in society uh, because even in a worldwide pandemic, you can count on the Bears to make questionable moves. Thoughts there from Jeff Dickerson there. Indeed, we had him on yesterday, and he gave his thoughts uh, about where the Bears are. Now we have to see if what other moves are going to take place in free agency and definitely in the draft. We'll find out what we're going to see with the Bears team for 2020. Nick Foles is the top of it, though. Nick Foles is the one of the new quarterbacks for this football team. Will he start week one, week four? What does this do for Trubisky? It's interesting times now for the Chicago Bears. Got a big question to ask you on Tales from the Hood. That's next. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. What do you got there? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000, the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan Hood with you. So glad that you're with us. Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. Now, this is an interesting edition of uh, Tales from the Hood because we don't have stories tonight. And there's a reason why is because we know what the main story is, right? We could always give you crazy stories from Florida or Georgia or overseas, but... In this edition of Tales from the Hood, we're going to start doing questions for you at 8.30 or thereabouts. So Tyler and Sean on the other side of the glass, and I'll ask you guys. I'll start with me. So the question I put on Facebook, Facebook.com, Jonathan Hood, is what is the new TV show that you're watching or binge watching during this uh, epidemic that we're going through, this pandemic we're going through? So I will tell you, guys, because I was on vacation, uh, staycation, because that's not what I intended 
it was not going to be a staycation, but because of developments, yeah, brother stayed home. So here's what I've been watching. I've, I finished the show Goliath from Billy Bob Thornton. I don't know if either one of you have seen that show. I'm a Billy Bob Thornton fan, so that is a good show with him being a detective. And because of my schedule, and this, you're going to get this a lot from a lot of people, right? And it's, in our, it's in our business, too. We get so busy, we don't have time to sit down and watch, like, and binge watch a whole bunch of TV shows every day. Like, maybe on the weekend. Maybe when you got a day off. But every day, hard to do that, right? I just got into Homeland. Got a lot of nods. I'm not hearing anything from anybody. I haven't watched Homeland, but I've heard good things about it. Would, you, would you recommend uh, it's so early because uh, it's season one, but because um, I really like uh, the TV show from the the head, uh, Damian Lewis, that's his name, Damian okay. Lewis from Billions, right? Yep, yep. So because of him, I said, well, let me go back and watch Homeland. It's something I've, I wanted to watch Homeland for a while. I didn't have time. Now I'm almost through the first season. So far, so good. And it's apparently still going on. You know, speaking of Damian Lewis, I so I've watched Billions and I know his character acts. And then I started watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and he's in that too. And it's just he's got the long hair and everything, and it's a whole another beast. It's just like I, I don't usually have time for this, but then when you're off and plus they're you're telling you to stay home, like okay, what what am I gonna do, right? Uh, what are you guys watching? I have a couple other shows too that I've been catching up on. Sean, what are you watching lately? The first thing I binge watched was Narcos Mexico season two. Still working on season one. Are you? (laughs) Season two was a turn up. Season two really starts to lead to our guy El Chapo. Uh huh. So it was very interesting. And then I tell anytime I get some time, I start watching The Wire all over again. Just watching it over again. All over again. I'm on season three. If you go to season five, they actually changed the product name to Pandemic Ah, in season five, which was kind of like, wow. It's interesting. You know, people, yeah. there's some that's just now getting into the wire because they've always wanted to go into it. And it's like, I've seen it when it came out, when it originally came out. It is a terrific show. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's interesting that you're going to go back. That's going to be probably our topic tomorrow. Is it hard for you to go back and watch an entire, you know, old ball games or to be able to watch an entire series of something that you really enjoyed so there's the thing Tyler what are you watching I'm going through Curb right now Curb Your Enthusiasm and Uh, here's the tough thing with binge watching Curb is that it's just it gets to a point where it's so I love the show yeah but it gets to the point where it's so cringy that you just gotta stop and you gotta step away take a lap and (laughs) and get back into it wait 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 a minute what part is cringy just, Tell me. Just the way that every, he goes about everything and the situations. It's just, yeah. You don't you don't have friends like Larry David? No, did I you, don't. Did you not go to Syracuse? <laughs> I, di- I did. Okay, well, but... you can't tell me. You can't tell me that there isn't someone that's a little bit odd that not you went that to school with. odd, but it's just the predicaments he finds himself in. Like, it just... It gets to a point where you just got to step away for a little bit. Give it a little reset and then dial it back up. <laughs> is it too silly? Is it too over the top it's, for you? It's too ironic, it feels like. All right. So, <laughs> no, yeah. no, I enjoy no, that show. I love show. the show, but... I like that show, and here's why I like that show. Because I, I was never a Seinfeld guy. Okay. Martin was on. So why, so why would I watch Seinfeld? Yeah. 
<laughs> and besides, it's like nobody looked like me on that show. Jackie Childs, right? Just one guy. Um, but I wasn't. I wasn't watching that show on a regular basis. You know. So I would. I. I'll. I'll say this, and I'll. I'll. I'll open the door ajar just a little bit. There's always come rain delays, and it would be on. But as far as like sitting down watching, hope like these guys around here that work around here that can like quote Seinfeld backwards and forwards, like I, they're like they're like talking French to me. I have no idea what they're talking about, no idea. But I can enjoy Larry David on this show because I just think it's tremendous comedy. This season, I really didn't get into it as much. My favorite season is probably five and six. Mm-hmm. I'm coming right up on that. Yeah, five and six is peak Larry David. I peak. And J.B. Smooth really stands out. <laughs> he starts to stand out in season five. I'm wondering what J.B. Smooth is after this. Like, like, does he have his own show? Like, he's a great sidekick, a great second to Larry David. So what happens after this? I'm sure he's going to be in the upcoming Spider-Man movie because he was pretty good in the last one as a teacher. Yeah. So he might get that recurring role. Uh he has to do a stand-up. Netflix has to. Well, right. Everybody right? else has. Right. If he's if he's that got that kind of appeal, because it's across the board now. You're on Curb, so everyone's watching. Everyone's getting into your comedy. This should be able to be something special for him. Um, I'll give you one other one too. And you know, Davis, one of these. I was going to say one of these times where we have a down period, but it looks like we have plenty of down period. We need to give Regina King her flowers, and I mean like immediately. She's 49. She's been in. I don't see anything bad she's ever been in. I'm watching Watchmen, and I'm, I'm about to finish up the uh, the season of Watchmen. It is a terrific show. Don't want to give it away, but Watchmen came out last year, and I'm just finishing it up now this week. It, she, she's been in what, 227, Northern Exposure, New York Undercover, Living Single, Southland, which is also was a terrific show. Um, shameless for a couple episodes, but in been in terrific films as well. Uh, why don't we give her flowers now? Because she is a Hall of Famer, is she not? Let's give her a room full of roses. Definitely a Hall of Famer. And then definitely the voice on. I'm, you know what? Just because you're talking about this, I'm going to binge watch Boondocks. I need some Riley in my life. <laughs> okay, especially during these times, I need some Riley in my life. She's playing a little boy. Uh, the voice of a little boy in the, in the cartoon, the animated uh, television show, Boondocks. Give her flowers now. She's tremendous. She's been in television since 1985. Come on now. I mean, she needs to have, like, when they have an award show, they need to give her her flowers. And she's divorced. So, Davis, if you're interested, she's a, she's really, she's available. You know, maybe Malcolm Jamal will make another pass at it. That's right. Yeah. They worked together for yeah. a couple of years. That's Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. And so, Narcos, I'm just getting into, I feel like I watched, watched the first couple of episodes and it's like, had to work another shift or something. I couldn't remember. <laughs> had, to, had to work another network. I don't know what it was. I don't, but now we do have time. And by the way, I'm going to ignore all these people, Tyler, these people on Instagram. These people that are trying to tell you what to do with your life. I'm never going to be that guy. You're not going to do 10 push-ups? I'm not going to do, do 10. 10 push-ups and pass <laughs> no, it on? I'm not going to do any, any uh, lights out, lights off thing with the, with the TikTok. I'm not doing that either. Another thing I'm not going to do, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your life. A lot of those. Well, a lot of people try to tell you what to do during this time. Like, you do what you want. The feeling that 
people are telling you, and I see this, I've saw this all last week and all, already this week, like, you know, you should take a walk and you should spend more time with your family. and You should do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. It's like, this is a time where you can pick up a book and read. You're telling somebody to read. You're going to tell me, I don't even know you. You're telling me I need to read. <laughs> like, it's so strange. Like, I don't need your, your advice on what to do with, I have my, here's what I did. I, I was able to veg out and watch television shows I haven't watched in a while and did spring cleaning early. Usually it takes me a, like a while to do my spring cleaning, but I'm ahead now. I'm good. I'm good. Because the pandemic keeps you in, inside. And keep in mind, I live on the south side. So what's happening now is no different than any other week. Stay inside, just in case. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Under the Hood. Under the Hood podcasts are available now on the all-new ESPN Chicago app. Available on your device now. This is ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. Shouts out to DJ D-Nice this week. If you are on Instagram and you miss DJ D-Nice, you missed it all. I, I can't believe that D-Nice, who is a world-famous DJ, who is mixing songs and did a great job this week every night for six-plus hours, was really putting on a performance for cl- called a club quarantine because everybody was shut in and they needed some entertainment. And it, it's so interesting with this current plague that's going on that D-Nice stood there for six-plus hours every night and just entertained people mixing music. And it's not just him mixing music because others were doing that, but the point is is that D-Nice knows so many celebrities and so when you have Alicia Keys and Timberland and Diddy and Lenny Kravitz and Halle Berry and MC Light and Ava DuVernay and Shaka Khan popping into your live, and not only those people, but also... Oh, my gosh. Michelle Obama's in here. Michelle Obama's in here. Michelle Obama's in here. Diddy's in here, but Michelle Obama's in here. I mean, it's just so... When you, I mean... You don't expect the first lady, one of the first ladies, to, to be able to just pop up in your live, listen to the music that he's that he's mixing, and that's what happened. What a, a a service, by the way, for him to just stand there, just provide music, provide entertainment, and everybody's just stopping in. All these, and Kerry Washington, Jamie Foxx, Rihanna, all these people are just like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna pop in. And so here's what I was thinking, Tyler. I was thinking this. It's like, what is the equivalent of of that in sports, right? I'm doing a talk show, and I'm playing music and doing sports talk. And all of a sudden, I just kind of look over, Russ Westbrook, what's up? What's going on? And then you just keep on going, and you just kind of just talk a little bit. And it's like, oh, oh, Michael Jordan. What's up, Mike? Mike, good to see you. And just, and just keep it moving. I mean, that's how he was doing it. While the music is playing, just like Jamie Foxx is in the building, and it just keeps music. Like, like he knows these people like they're just Joe from the south side. <laughs> he didn't. You didn't make a big. That's the only person he made a big deal of because he didn't expect, you know, the former first lady to pop up in his live, listening to music that he's spinning. So somehow in sports, we got to have an equivalent of that, right? 
I'm doing a show, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you get you know you get Zach Levine popping up, and up oh, Zach, good to see you. Uh, working at three, and just keep and just keep moving, right? That's what happened over the week. That is special. That's special when you have people across the board just popping up in your life. That's what happened to with D Nice. So, and a, a nice job by him. Nice job. Three one two three three two ESPN three three two three seven seven six is our telephone number. We will talk more about Nick Foles and what is going on with the Bears from Austin Lane, a former Chicago Bears talk show host for ESPN Jacksonville. I want to get his perspective of what Nick Foles was like in Jacksonville last year. There, we talked about quarterback battles earlier in the show, right? So the same thing here. Um, Austin Lane is going to talk to us about what it was like for Gardner Minshew to take on Nick Foles, the back and forth. There was an injury situation there with Nick Foles where he started off well, got injured, lost his job. And so what can we expect from Foles with the Bears? We'll talk to uh, Austin about that coming up at the top of the hour at uh, 9.05. Uh, and because I think that is um interesting topic of exactly what the Bears are getting. You, you like to have a quarterback that's played 16 games in a row and stayed healthy. We have not seen that with Nick Foles. Once again, to me, this is something to try to push Mitch Trubisky, if nothing else. I don't know if he gets the job right away, Foles. But as Steve Young mentioned, yeah, it makes sense for Foles to be in the mix because this is good for Trubisky. You've had your struggles. You've shown some toughness. Now here comes Nick Foles who wants a job. Let's see you running out in front of this thing. I think this is good for Mitch. I think if Mitch is going to be any good, this is a perfect situation, a great platform with Nick Foles who is not toxic, who but also will push him. And Nick wants to play, too. And so I think that, in my mind, Matt Nagy's done something very good for Mr. Bisky in bringing in Nick Foles. So we'll talk to Austin Lane about what we can expect from Nick Foles with the Bears. That's coming up next. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.